You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. So, fatherhood, um, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes it's both. And one of those both times was, I think I was about nine years old, so that means Sam was like five and Elijah was four. And we, dad had this idea, and he was like, all right, guys, like, mom's out of the house tonight. We're going to have a bunch of fun. We're going to do this wrestling match, like, WWE style. We're going to come up with our costumes. You know, we're going to come waltzing in there like we're all cool. And then we're going to fight, and it's going to be awesome. And so we all go to our rooms, and we're all getting dressed and stuff, and Omi comes out with underwear on his head. (laughs) And so we all, you know, we all strut into the living room after we had moved all the couches out of the way. And then dad comes in, and he's wearing like this old tank top that's got paint on it. It's got holes in it. And he comes in like this, and he goes, and he rips his tank top in two. And my brothers and I were like, this guy, this guy's awesome. I had pre-slid it, just like Hulk Hogan. Okay, well, we didn't know that. But so he comes in there, and we all start fighting, and we're having a great time. And we start pulling each other's socks off, and Dad's hopping around the living room with one sock, trying to slap us in the face with it. And he pulls a muscle. And so he's out for a little bit, so he's sitting on the couch watching us. And then soon we discover kicking. And with kicking, Samuel is an excellent kicker. He's far more limber than anyone else here. And he kicks two of Elijah's teeth out. <laughs> And so dad calls mom and he's like, so uh, how many loose teeth did Elijah have? <laughs> and it, he, he had one, so like one tooth was coming out anyway, but the other one just came out because of Samuel's foot. And so, of course, after that night, Elijah, I mean, he didn't enjoy it so much after the kicking, but we all were like, man, dad's awesome. He's like the best dad ever. We had the best time ever. And mom gets home and she's like, yeah, I'm not going out of the house for a while. <laughs> Anybody, any other dads out there have a story like that? Mom left you at home alone with the kids and something went down and she was scared to leave again. <laughs> She's like, oh no, you, I'll call a sitter next time I'm leaving. Well, just to be clear, like we did on Mother's Day, I want to define fatherhood for you. Um, and so today, yes, we're going to be emphasizing biological fathers, of course, and their role Uh, with their kids and different things. We're going to be emphasizing our Heavenly Father. I mean, first and foremost, He gets the glory. It's because of who He is that we have hope, we have mercy, we have grace, we have compassion, all of those things. But it also includes the other men in the room. The other men in the room who maybe don't have kids yet, but you are a role model in somebody else's life. Okay? And really that includes every man every young man, every woman in this room, as far as if you want to throw a blanket on it in that way. We're all role models. Whether we realize it or not, people are watching us. Okay, if it's younger brothers and sisters, if it's students or kids that we're working with, if it's our neighbors, if it's coworkers, you name it. We all have the opportunity to be a role model. And we all are one. The question is whether we're a positive one or a negative one. So, 
just wanting to make sure that we all understand that about fatherhood. And I can't also move on here without also addressing those whose dads are already home. So some of us in the room, your dads have already gone on and aren't here. And today is the day you're missing them extra. And I just want to speak to that, let you know that that's appropriate. That's okay. And man, they're in a better place. If they believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're not depressed today. <laughs> they're doing fantastic. And so that's what we should strive for also, those of us who are still here. The other thing I want to say is, is some of us in the room, not me yet, although I've got one out, I've still got a six-year-old in the house, so I've still got a long ways to go in some respects, but it's never too late, okay? You may say, hey, I didn't even know the Lord while my kids were at home, or I made a lot of mistakes, there's no chance anymore. No, as long as you have breath, you have the opportunity and the chance to be a dad for those in your life, okay? Start today. Now, bad choices equal consequences, right? We're not, we're not on different pages there, but so there might be more to overcome to regain trust or to restart a relationship. But it's never too late. As long as you're here, as long as you're alive, it's never too late. So just wanting to clear the air about what we mean when we're talking about fatherhood this morning, who we're talking to, that type of thing. And moms, kids, you're in here with us. You get to color. We got your little coloring page. You're with us here today. Listen up. There's things for you to learn as well today. So this morning, our text that we're going to base, base most of our teaching out of is Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9, probably familiar to many of you. And it's there on the screen. If you would like to read this together with me, you don't have to stand up today. Um, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. All right. So when Dad and I were preparing for this, we kind of came up with three areas of fatherhood that we're going to talk about. And so I'm going to be talking about pursuing Christ. And I'm going to try and tie it back to fatherhood as much as I can, but also like this is something everyone can and should be doing. We're all meant to pursue Christ. We're all meant to love God. Okay, and in my section, I've got two subsections. So there's going to be the why we should pursue Christ, and then the how. Okay, so the first why is it's what we're supposed to do. So God made us, and he, as our creator, gets to decide what we're supposed to do. A preacher I like to listen to, his name's Paul Washer. He uses this illustration of God's creating the planets, and he's like, all right, planets, you're going to be in this order. You got the stars. All right, stars, you're going to be this far apart from each other. And then you got the ocean, and you got the land. And it's like, all right, land, you're going to come up to here. As a mountain, ocean, you're coming up to here. And then he creates people, and he says, all right, person, don't eat from this tree. And the person says, no. That's crazy. That's just, that takes so much pride in us to say no to God, even though he's our creator. I mean, that's like, 
if you're making a pancake and you're trying to put the pancake in your mouth and it's like, nope, I, I don't think so. Like, I'm going to leave. It's like, what? You can't do that. Like, I made you. That's ridiculous. But that is what we do whenever we're not worshiping God as he calls us to do. And how that ties back into fatherhood is recognizing who God is and how great he is will help us be better fathers. Because, I mean, if God's awesome and God's great and it's all about God, I should have no problem getting up in the middle of the night to rock my six-month-old to sleep. Because it's not about me. It's about God. Not that I don't ever have a problem with that. I almost always have a problem with that. But you get the idea of our view of God impacts our fatherhood. And speaking of God being incredibly big, he totally, totally deserves our praise. I mean, we just read that verse, um, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I mean, that's, that's everything. Like, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Loving God is a big part of pursuing Christ. And what's crazy to think about and humbling to think about is God loves our kids more than we do. That's crazy. But God made our kids. God's perfect. God's got so much more love than we can ever have. And so even if you're thinking somehow like, okay, I just got to like buckle down. I got to love my kids better. Like the best way for you to do that, the best way for me to do that is by loving God better because God loves our kids better. And as we love God better, we're going to love our kids better just because that's how love works. Just this overflowing love, spending time with God, we're going to get that and we're going to love our kids. All right. Another reason you should pursue Christ is because God loves you. He loves you a ton. So John 3.16, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And I know, I know we've all heard that so many times. I know for me when I hear that, it's a huge temptation to just tune out and be like, yeah, whatever. I know that verse. But the thing is, is something that God struck me with as I was preparing for this is God gave his one and only son. And like, if you think about the worth of Jesus Christ, it's ridiculous. It's infinite. It's unfathomable. And a lot of times we can tell how much someone loves us by how much they're willing to sacrifice for us. And so looking at God, he was willing to sacrifice his only son, his kid, I mean, one of the sustainers of the universe, part of the Trinity. I mean, like, you don't get more valuable than that. You just don't. But he was willing to sacrifice that for us. And if you want a verse to help back this up, Matthew 12, 18, it's when Jesus gets baptized and God's saying, this is my beloved in whom I delight. And God just loves his son so much and he was willing to sacrifice him for us to be able to pursue him. All right. And then another reason, another way that God shows us that he loves us is by knowing us. Psalm 103, 13 through 14. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. Fathers generally have compassion on their children, 
but God is the perfect father. And so he's going to have so much more compassion on his kids than even the best dad on earth can ever have. And what I love about this verse so much is that God's having compassion on us. So that's great. But then, for he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust, a.k.a. remembering that we can be so dumb sometimes, remembering that we need so much compassion. And God is willing to supply that for us because he loves us so much. So those are reasons why you should pursue Christ. How do you pursue Christ? Spending time with God, just like you spend time with anyone else to pursue them. I mean, you don't just walk up to somebody and say, hey, you want to marry me? No, they're going to say no. You might get a slap in the face. But you're going to spend time with them and show them, I care about you, I'm willing to spend time with you. Now let's get married. Okay, one of the primary ways we can spend time with God is by praying. Tell God about your day. Even though he already knows it, he loves to hear from us about that. Rant to God if you're upset about something. I know I rant to Caitlin a lot. I should probably rant to God more often. (laughs) But he wants to hear us. There are so many psalms where David is just ranting. He's just like, God, man, my sons are being dumb. Like, they're trying to steal my kingdom. What the heck? Or Saul, he keeps trying to kill me. Why is this happening? And God listens to him. But on the other side of that, we also need to listen to God. And this is very, very hard, at least for me. I'm reminded of some lyrics by 21 Pilots and go, I'm so afraid of what you have to say because I'm quiet now and silence gives you space. And that's hard to relinquish that control when we're just sitting quiet, phones off, TVs off, radios off, and we're just listening to God. And that can be scary because God can say whatever he wants to in that moment. And it could be awesome. It's going to be awesome, but it could be really convicting. It could be something that we may not want to hear. But giving God that space to talk to us is really important. It's just as important as talking to God. And of course, reading the Bible. You know, if you want to hear God speak, read the Bible. If you want to hear him speak audibly, read the Bible out loud. It's an excellent way to get to know God because God's the best father and the more time we spend time with him, the more that's going to rub off on us. I mean, you, you're going to be like, you're going to end up being like the people that you spend time with and you're spending time with God, you're going to end up being more like God, more loving to your kids, loving to your wife, all of those things. And as you spend more time with God, you're going to like him more. You're going to love him more. Just like in my experience, the more time I spend with somebody, the more I like them. The more I know their backstory, if they ever do something that I'm like, that would normally like make me upset, then it's like, oh, I have their backstory. Like I know why they did that. There's a reason for it. And so an example of this in Caitlin and I's marriage is we try to love each other a lot. And one of the ways that I try and love Caitlin is by leaving the toilet seat down. So that way she doesn't fall in the toilet in the middle of the night. (laughs) And one of the ways that she tries to love me is by not putting her shoes on the couch because I have this weird thing. It just grosses me out when people sit on the couch with their shoes. I don't know why, but it just does. And she thinks it's weird, but she's willing to take her shoes off when she sits on the couch because she loves me. Another way, another how of pursuing Christ is... We need to want it. There needs to be a desire here. 
Just like back in our verse, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. I mean, that's a huge desire. That's like every part of your being that's loving God. And a verse, thinking about that verse in the context of another verse, which is Jesus talking to his disciples saying, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's really convicting because if I think about where my treasure is and where my heart is and where my thoughts linger, most of the time it's not just revolving around God. It's, oh, I want to do this today. Oh, this Frisbee thing. Oh, this book. Whatever. But we need to want to pursue God for us to do it because like, if you don't want to do something, it's not going to last. And so in order to do that, We need to be praying that God would give us a new heart and make us a new creation so that we can do that. Because the thing about this is God's not asking us, he's not saying, hey, you got to love me better, you got to love me better, you got to love me better. And not giving us any of the tools we need to do that. He's saying, hey, I want you to love me better and I'm going to help you love me better because you can't love me better by yourself. There's no amount of work that we can do to love God better. God's got to give us a new heart. And a verse that is awesome for me to think about is Ezekiel 36, 26. And God's saying, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. We don't have to take out our heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. God's doing that. We just need to ask him to do that and we need to let him work in us. And another way that you tell yourself to want it, pursue it more, is by setting up reminders. I know when dad really wanted a motorcycle, he had this toy motorcycle in his car and he'd put it on his dashboard. So every time he wanted to go to Kennedy Coffee or every time he wanted to go to Starbucks, he would look at that motorcycle and say, you know what, if I don't go get this coffee, that's three more dollars towards the motorcycle. And he eventually got one. He doesn't have one anymore. But he got one. And we need those reminders because we are so forgetful. I'm so forgetful. I forget things all the time. But we need reminders that pursuing Christ is worth it. Pursuing Christ is the best thing for me. Pursuing Christ will bring me the most joy. And so if you want some tips, uh, reminders that I've been using recently, past two weeks, I've been reading Psalm 103. You'll see a couple verses coming from there as we're talking. But it's such, it's such a good psalm because David is convincing his soul that God is worth it. I mean, that's the whole psalm. David wasn't perfect either, but he wrote this psalm to say, soul, this is worth it. Remember, God gives you so many good things. He renews your strength like an eagle, and he heals all your diseases. He is totally worth it. And that psalm is so good because I have those struggles all the time. Is God really worth it? I really think that this is the best thing for me, but God says it's not. Is this really true? Reading through that is great. And then another a song I've been listening to is Is He Worthy by Andrew Peterson. I think they play the Chris Tomlin version on KLRC. Yeah, but that's a great song. I mean, that's just like, that's like going back to what I talked about earlier is just Jesus is worthy of everything. Like you can just you can live your whole life based off of that. You don't even need any of these benefits. Like, you don't need this benefits program. You just need, Jesus is worthy of everything. He is perfect. He gets to open the scroll. He's God's son. That's all you really need. But God's gracious to give us all of these other gifts as well. 
And another way you pursue Christ is by obeying him. Just like on the Jonah video earlier, whenever we're not obeying God, we're saying, God, you know what? I think I know better. I think that this is the best thing for me, which we would be so scared to say that in real life. But that's what we're saying with our actions when we choose not to obey him because we're saying, no, I I know this is what you said. I know this is the best thing for me, or you think it is, but I think I know what the best thing for me is. And as fathers, one of the primary ways we obey him is by loving the families that he gives us. So my point that I'm going to be talking on is teaching our kids compassionately. All right, so this will be verses, verse 7, actually. Repeat them to your children. Repeating what? The words that God gave us. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. In other words, we're supposed to tell our kids, teach our kids as dad about God and his words. And if we're not pursuing Christ, well, they're not in us to teach them, right? So we're already missing the boat if we're not pursuing Christ first. Plus, we need his help, right? The bad news is, is God calls us to an impossible task of being a godly father. The good news is, he is the perfect father and he's there to walk alongside us in every step. And so, here we are in that place, telling us specifically, teach them to your kids. And I love this verse because it's not just saying, hey, set up, set up a podium in your living room, you know, dad, and get your notes out and start lecturing your kids about God and his word. It doesn't say that. Although, as a dad, I can sometimes default to that, can't I? Yes, so yep. all of my boys would agree and chime in on that. It's really hard to not go into lecture mode as a dad, whether you're standing behind a podium or driving the car down the road and you feel like you really need to address something, right? It's really, really hard. <laughs> but what this is saying is it's saying it's about when you're sitting around the house, when you're hanging out, when you're going on a hike, when you're working around the yard, when you're laying down, when you get up. It's being intentional on a regular basis about teaching them about God and his word. But the fact of the matter is, is that teaching can't just be teaching in and of itself. It has to be alongside compassion. The illustration of the scissors where it takes both edges to cut and, you know, to say that one edge is more important than the other, well, you can't really say that, right? Unless you're just using one side like a dull knife. If you're truly using scissors as they were made to be, you need both edges at the same time. And so this is like that. One edge is teaching them God's word as we go about our day of life. The other edge is doing so with compassion. And bringing up the verse again of verse 13 of Psalm 103, God models this perfectly for this. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. You see, God initiated that compassion and love from us from the very beginning in creation. The first man, the first woman, the first earthly father, giving them a garden and the opportunity to love him. Setting them up to win in every way and planting one tree in the middle of it that they're not supposed to eat from so that they're not robots. So they have the opportunity to reject him. He gave them everything. Perfect intimate relationship with him and yet they still blew it as would we if we were in their shoes as well but see God initiated that 
And then, of course, as Spencer's already talked about, the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ when he sent his son of infinite value, living here, his humble birth, his perfect life, his submissive death, and his glorious resurrection, initiating that love and compassion for us. And see, this is the perfect example that we as dads are to follow. Initiating that perfect compassion and love so that when we have something to say, as we're hiking, as we're sitting, as we're lying down, as we're getting up, if we have initiated love and compassion with our kids, they'll actually give a rip about what we're talking about. Any dads gone into, I need to instruct you in this, and the eyes have glazed over? (laughs) Yeah. We've all been there. We've also been that kid when our parents went into that mode and our eyes glazed over. And I'm not saying that there isn't possibly a sin issue in our kids when that happens. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is we as dads, as the role that God gives us in our homes, have the primary duty of initiating this compassion and love for our kids and leading by modeling it. And so how do we teach them compassionately? How do we show them the compassion so they care what we have to say? Well, it's about capturing their heart, just as Christ has done for us. As he has captured his heart for his love for us by initiating that love on the cross, long before we even began to look at him or care about him, we as dads need to do that. And kids of all ages, it's going to look different, isn't it? It's going to look like when they're younger, getting on the floor with them. Like literally getting on the floor with them. <laughs> and for some of us, that, that gets farther and farther down there. Each year, I get that. I'm, I'm getting there. So when my six-year-old's on the floor, it's like, okay, I got to time this out right. I got to stretch out first so I can get back up when it's time to get up. Okay? But getting on the floor with them, getting in their life, playing Legos with them, having a tea party with your daughter, whatever it is they're into, watch a show with them. Ask them about it. Hey, what'd you do today? And when they ramble in and go on and on and on and on and on, sometimes and on about what they've done and all the things that they've created and thought about and dreamed up and actually listen. Ask them, investigative questions so they know that you're not glazing over because guess what if we're glazing over when they're little telling us about their day what are they going to do when they get older when we tell them about what we feel is really important in life the same thing they didn't they learned it from us most of the time play catch with them go shooting with them read to them All of these opportunities are not just ways to show compassion and love with them, but they're also ways to teach them about God. How you are modeling Him to them by how you interact with them, how you love them, how you care for them. If they see you in the Word, dads, do they? This whole I'm a private faith thing is baloney. I'm just going to call it that. We either love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our kids and our wives, they should know it and see it 
or we really don't. You say you're following God, well, you're not following God. What is it? Do our kids know that we're in the Word? Do our kids know that we pray? What about how we model it when things are stressful at work? What do they see us do? Do they see us pull the remote out and hit the recliner? Do they see us watch college football all day Saturdays? Or baseball or whatever we're watching? Do they see us run to the woods? With our bows or guns or run to the river with our fishing poles or whatever? How do they see us respond and handle stress? Are we passive and run or do we engage with the word? What about how we respond to our kids' moms? How we treat her, how we talk to her? Do our kids see us hug her? Kiss her even? I know the kids are like, ew. I can promise you though, even though they're saying you, if that is a constant pattern in their lives, there is nothing that will give them more confidence and security in their lives than seeing a mom and dad who truly love each other throughout their lives. So dad, are you modeling how to treat a woman to your kids by how you treat your wife? how you treat neighbors, how you treat the person that cuts you off in traffic. Ouch. How are we modeling this? How are we teaching them? When you watch a movie with those kids and you're seeing elements in it that are good, call them out. Hey, I really liked how this character shared when everything was on the line for them. Call out the things that are bad. Hey, did you notice the message there? What they were trying to tell us? Call it out so that your kids can see that as they get older. They know how to combat that. And say, oh yeah, I see how that was different. I see how that movie was portraying, hey, it's all about you and you being you and all these things about you instead of trusting in God and leaning on Him. It's not about us. It's about Him. So teaching our kids compassionately. And again, just to reemphasize this, dads, what's done is done. Before today, before this moment, it's done. What you said, what you did on the way to church, or getting ready for church, or yesterday in the yard when you were just really wishing they were out there helping you and they weren't, or whatever. It's done. If you blew it, go to your kids and say, I blew it. I'm sorry. There's nothing that speaks like a godly, loving leader than having the humility to go to your family and apologize to them. When you blow it with your wife in front of them, apologize to her in front of them. Daddy blew it. I was wrong in how I spoke to your mom and how I treated her. Where else are they going to learn this? They're either going to learn the right things from us or not. 
quick rabbit trail. There is, parents, there's not this nebulous stage when our kids are teenagers of getting to just figure out who they are in this world. There's not. And how we treat them when they're younger. So if your parents have young kids especially, how we treat them younger will determine that. Are they a young man or a young woman? Then treat them like that. If they're acting like a child, well, they're still a child. There's not this 10, 15, and studies show that this, these teenage years are lasting into the late 20s nowadays. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, you're either a child or you're either a young person on their way. We'll treat you as such. We'll love you as such. You'll always, always love you but we'll give you the responsibilities and privileges with each. That is part of teaching them with compassion. Accept responsibility for where you're at and who you are and the choices you make. We all have to. Okay? One caution as well that I want to make as I'm wrapping up my section here is this. Pursuing the kids of our hearts, teaching them with compassion does not mean turning them into an idol. Okay? So that is possible, to turn our kids into an idol. And, and for dads, I think this is generally harder for us to do. We're not as likely to turn our kids into an idol. We tend to be a little bit harder on them, a little bit more black and white and things like that. Normally this is kind of mom, but I'm not saying that there aren't dads in the room that do the same. And see, they're an idol when they come before our faith, before God. I also believe they're an idol when they come before our marriage. Mm -hmm. The foundation is Christ alone. And then the next layer is the marriage. It's the husband and wife and that has to take precedence. And your kids need to understand that. They need to know that. And it's okay. They'll turn out okay. I promise. Now, they have their own choices to make someday, but it won't be because, if they go off the deep end, it won't be because you put your marriage first. And so as we are pursuing our kids' hearts, as we are wanting them to engage in things and helping along the way, as they are participating in sports or in educational things or music or things like that that can overwhelm a family schedule, keep that in mind. What are we really teaching them? where we're running them from one activity to the next, and one thing to the next, or dare I say it, when it's okay because of a sport, we take months off of church. So, what are we really showing them and teaching them for that? That, hey, when you have a really fun hobby or a sport, it's okay. You don't need church then. You know, mom and dad's marriage, it doesn't matter. We haven't had a date in six months because we've been running you from one thing to the other. But that's okay. We'll eventually figure it out. Your kids need to see you say no to their stuff so that you can take time for your marriage. Your kids need to see us say no to things and schedules so that we can consistently worship and serve with our brothers and sisters in Christ as well. Our next section is this, <clears throat> living with purpose. 
Verses 8 and 9 of Deuteronomy 6. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. So Spence, I'm going to jump back to you real quick here before I explain these verses. One thing I forgot to do is I wanted to ask for you as a young dad, you're thinking, hey, I've got a newborn here. You know, (laughs) it's not like I'm really engaging with them in a show and explaining the theology of it or pros and cons of it. It's not like she's joining you out on the ultimate Frisbee field yet and, you know, those types of things. Or she's not really able to hold up a teacup yet. (laughs) Although she's holding up a... She's getting better at it every day. What does that look like for you in your season of life? Yeah, so honestly, a lot of it right now, and especially working through this sermon is just getting to know God better and preparing myself to be able to interact with her whenever she does, you know, get to the interactable stage of life. But, so developing my relationship with God so that way I can impart that on her. But also practicing, even though, like, there's definitely times where I don't enjoy it as much as I should, but just getting on the ground with her and just flopping her over, letting her roll over, (laughs) flopping it over letting her roll over, or even just like holding up a stuffed animal so she can kick at it with her legs. Just stuff like that because, I mean, even though it's hard and I'm, I'm a very active person so I want to be doing stuff all the time and to me that's not super productive, but getting to the point where I'm like, this is productive, this is building a relationship. When she does turn one, when she can start talking, when she can start throwing the frisbee, she's going to subconsciously remember these moments and she's going to know that I love her a lot and she's going to know that, hey, that is someone I want to spend time with. He cares about me and he loves me. So, it's good. Good, thank you. So verse 8 and 9, bind them as a sign on your hand, let them be a symbol on your forehead, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. So this is where we're talking about beyond the four walls of our home. Okay? These are all symbolic of that. And while today, in our culture, we don't actually put signs on our hands and have things on our foreheads like they did back in this ancient time when this was written, actually writing things on their doorposts. What this is saying is, is how are we proclaiming God's word and his message to the world? And how are we teaching our kids to do that? Okay? This is, in the Old Testament, basically the Great Commission. Are you catching this? And so how are we doing this as dads? How are we modeling this? How are we teaching our kids to do this? where we are living that life out, where we are teaching them about it, where we are pointing out others who are doing that and saying, oh, well, that's a great job. We're, we're inspiring them in this way. So, Spence, what are some ways specifically in the home where this begins to live with a purpose, to help our kids, not just live with a purpose as a dad, but also to help our kids live with purpose? Yeah, so, well, the verse talks about writing them on the doorposts of your home. So... To me, that's like, okay, cool, like the verses are there, that's immediate opportunity for discussion with the kids about God. Hey, what does this verse mean? How does it apply to my life? Great, that's good. But also, like you talked about earlier, I think talking to them about everyday things. You know, you're sitting on the floor, you're playing Legos with them, like, man, isn't it crazy? Like, God, like, we're kind of like little Lego blocks, like we're made of little Lego blocks, and God made us like that. But also, like, God made the Legos. What? That's so cool. And so just like throwing in little things like that as you're watching a movie like you talked about, um, even like a movie about a guy, you know, 
trying to avenge somebody for killing someone in his family, like talking about, hey, like there are some redeemable aspects of this movie. Like this guy's passion for his family, his love for his family, that's great. But also like vengeance is the Lord. So pointing not only bad things or things that are wrong with movies out, but things that are right with movies too, because that's like interacting with the culture. We don't want it to just be, okay, church is on Sunday and then the other six days of the week. Like that's whatever. So that's definitely one way. And another way is just by modeling love, modeling servanthood. God is the greatest servant in sending Jesus who served his disciples all the time. And for dads, it could look like doing the dishes. Like, that's not that exciting. But serving is usually not that exciting. That's just how it works. But when your kids see you doing the dishes, says, wow, dad loves his family. He's willing to sacrifice his TV time to do the dishes. He's willing to sacrifice his reading time to do the dishes, taking the trash out, whatever. I think that speaks volumes to kids too. Absolutely. So then in the community beyond living with purpose, how are we modeling and instructing and serving in the church? What a great place to start, right? Are our kids seeing us serve in the local church? Are our kids seeing us jump at the opportunity to bring a meal to somebody who might need one? Are our kids seeing us going and visiting somebody who's down and out? Do our kids see us fill in the blank? There's lots of ways. Do our kids see us serve in children's ministry, in youth ministry, as a, as a small group leader, on fellowship meals, on... Again, how do they see us serve the body of Christ in that way? And there are some great families here doing that. Many, many families. A couple that immediately jumped to mind would be the Thackers, who aren't here today because they're with family in northern Missouri today. The Kinslows, the Fullers, and many others that, I mean, I don't have time to go into all of them right now, honestly, but you've got parents serving whose kids see them serving, and oftentimes you see their kids helping serve as well. I can't tell you how many times during the week when Colin and, and Callie and some of them are out of school and Jimmy and Heather are up here and they're messing around and hey go grab a ladder go grab this we're going to knock this out while we're here and the kids are jumping in and helping who do you think sets up the tables and chairs almost every week most often it's the Thackers and their kids you know there's other families the deacons and and as their kids get older and different things like that that serve in in all of those ways so those are all ways that we can serve in the community what about even beyond the church. What about that awkward situation where you pull up at the four-way stop, especially in Northwest Arkansas and, and more so in Joplin now too, where the person's begging? What about them? Do our kids see us? Do we ignore it and move on or do we engage in that? And while God might not lead you to do something in that moment every time, that's between you and the Lord. I would encourage everybody to pray about, Lord, is there something you need me to do here besides pray for this person? That every time that you do that. And your kids know you're doing that. At a minimum. Bring it back home. We did this a few years ago where we talked about this with the kids. What is something we can do in this? And so the idea was, hey, let's put together some bags with toiletries and some non-perishable snacks and some things like that. And we carried... I don't know, 15 or 20 of those bags around in the trunk of the car. And so when we saw one, we'd be like, hey, here you go. Here's something we can do. And we did it together as a family, a way to model that. What about when somebody's cars broke down on the side of the road? You know, do our kids see us stop and engage and, 
Or do we at least address it and talk about it? What about when you drive by an accident? My wife is so good at these things. I'm going to brag on her for a second. And she just immediately like, boys, let's pray. Let's pray. We need to pray for these people right now. And she'll just start praying while she's driving by. These are all great ways to model what it looks like to live with purpose in the church, in the community. What about even trash in the parking lot? Putting your shopping cart away. I mean, these are all little things to show and model. Hey, we're living for a greater purpose and a greater reason here. It's for God. It's for loving Him, loving others, making disciples of Jesus Christ. Supporting local nonprofits, cross lines, others, fostering. Holy cow. Huge need in this community. Huge need. There's a couple of families bravely doing that here. This county needs more. And for those who aren't called to do it, they need our support. They need our love. Get your kids involved. Show them. Tell them about it. This isn't about, this isn't the bragging part. We get this confused, okay? Don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing here. God tells us to show and teach our children about this. If your kids never know you do anything, how are they going to know? It's not about bragging to them that you did. It's about training them up to also do it. To experience the joy of giving, the joy of serving. And like Spencer said, sometimes it can be a dredge. But at the end of it, who hasn't served, and even if it was hard during it afterward, been like, hey, I did something worthwhile today. Has anybody not felt that? It's like, I gave some time, I gave some effort, I gave some money, I did something worthwhile today. It was for a reason. God wired us that way to feel that. Because it's how he designed us. He didn't design us to be consumers. He designed us to be servants. What about the world beyond? Yeah, so this was a tough one for me because I'm bad at this. <laughs> but God was and is still convicting me through this. And the biggest thing here is just like start small, like really small. Like we're talking like support a missionary, support a kid. And then when you get their letters, when you get their emails, and this is hard, reading them. <laughs> I know I'm, I have a hard time with that because I'm like, eh, I'm too busy. I don't have five minutes. I have five minutes. I need to read the email. But reading them, reading the email, and then from that, taking those prayer requests. A lot of times they include prayer requests. So take those prayer requests, even if it's between the lines, even if it's, hey, I'm leading a mission trip this week, and uh, I've never done that before. Like my friend Grant, he's in Slovakia right now, and he's leading a mission trip. He's never done that before. But that's, that's a prayer request right there. Even if he doesn't actually mention it, first time doing something, always a prayer request. But pray for them. Pray for them before the meals, at home. Just like work it in there. It doesn't have to be this big thing, but just God, please help Grant. He's leading a mission trip. He's never done this before. He's in a strange country. Give him your peace and give him your guidance. Boom. And then pray for him. And then suddenly it's like, oh, who's Grant? Oh, he's my friend. He's a missionary. We support him. That just opens up so many conversations for your kids. And also, like, it's such a good reminder for us and our kids. Like, God's not just working in our home. He's not just working in our church. 
He's not just working in our community. He's working in the whole world. Like, he's a global God, and it's, it's hard to get my head around, but it's good to be reminded God is working everywhere. And also, like, missionaries need our prayers. It's not just about praying for them to encourage conversations with your kids. They're people like us. They're sinful like us. They need our prayers. Mm-hmm. Yep, very good. And then as your kids get older, saving so they can go. Yeah. You know, I, I love the example that the Fullers have set of trying to send every kid on some type of mission trip before they graduate high school. And while not everybody may have the opportunity to do that, there are other things you can do along the way. And we as a church, and in case you didn't know this, we as a church have a fund set aside for mission trips so that as we are able to put one together, and we're hoping to in the coming days and years, or if you have an idea for one, let me know, please. But as this comes about and we start saying, hey, who can go? We as a church body, as part of our budget, want to help pay for at least half of that trip for you to go. And then to help you raise support for the rest of it. So take the money part of it out. If God wants you to go, he's got the bill. Yeah. Easy. Done. Okay? And we want to be faithful in that as elders in supporting that. But those are opportunities. Those are ways to think about the world beyond and modeling that for our kids, teaching them that. So as I summarize our quick little time here, Tony, if you want to come on up. We just want you to know that on our journey doing this, Spencer and I met several times, talked on the phone several times as we have um, gone about doing this together. It has convicted us. It has encouraged us. Um, But more importantly, I think we're both walking away with just how amazing our Heavenly Father is in this and just how good He is. So be be encouraged, dads. Okay, we didn't want you to come in here and feel like, oh my goodness, I just got beat up here today and I'm going home and I'm kind of feeling like my tail's between my legs and I've got black eyes and stuff. No, we're saying man up. We're saying man up as in fall on your knees before the cross. Okay, it's not about I got to try harder and do more. It's about no, humble yourself more. Go to God more. And as you do that, as we looked at two weeks ago in Psalm thirty-seven, four, as you draw near to God, as you delight in Him, your desires will line up more with His. And His desire for you as a dad, your first primary mission field is your home. It's kind of part of the Great Commission, is it not? Training up your kids in the way they should go so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. It's not a formula. Each kid's different. Each personality's different. I've got six, and they are all different in great ways. And so what works for one son is not going to work for the next son. Because God is creative and he loves them, and he has plans for them, and he wants me to grow and learn and not get comfy. (laughs) So dads, we're in this together. We're arm and arm in this, okay? So be encouraged. So now, with fear and trepidation, (laughs) we turn the mic over to Tony. (laughs) And I have two hours worth of questions. (laughs) He's got somewhere to be at some point this afternoon. Somewhere that I have to be at some point. So... (laughs) So I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna pare it down a little bit. Okay. Guys. I, have y'all enjoyed this? 
Hasn't this been rich? Uh, so I want to thank you on behalf of everyone here for sharing. It's been a joy to, uh, to, to see you do this. I want to uh, share publicly that I've been challenged. I didn't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I did. Battery's died. There's a green one, guys. Tina's. Don't break it. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to sing. Uh, <laughs> we're going to sing. Now, I, uh, I wanted to, uh, first of all, thank both of you. I know that it's been an encouragement to, to many of us, myself included. I have a, a few questions for the congregation first. Uh, first of all, is there, how many of you have a father? Raise your hand. Is there anybody here that doesn't? Raise your hand. No? Okay, so we all have a father. Have you learned more about the father today? Yeah, and he loves us, doesn't he? Now, second question is, and I haven't asked permission for this, so Matt, be scared. Um, how many of you have a question on this subject? Mm. Okay, I know Matt said earlier that I couldn't ask for questions from the congregation today. Is that what he said? <laughs> Is that what he said? Typical lawyer Does this finding mean a yes? loophole. <laughs> okay. So here's, here's the deal. How many of you got a communicator today? Did you get a communicator? Did you notice that there's an email address in here? So, so if you've got a question, and um, you'd like to ask that question, Spencer, yours is not in here. Don't, don't be fearful. I have that. his There's email. A reason for that. Matt, <laughs> Matt has your email, and he has mine, so I might end up having to share. But if you got a question, if there's a moment where there might be a cry in your heart for encouragement on this line, uh, drop an email. I think I can, I think I can say that yeah. safely. And... Uh, because that's what we're called to do, is to encourage and love one another. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open this with one question, and I may even close it with one question. I don't know. But I want you to go back to that moment in time, both of you. Actually, I'm gonna, I want you to go to two moments in time. And I want you to think about that moment in time when you found out that you were going to be a father. Okay? And I want you to think about what raced through your mind at that moment. And then I want you to think about that moment in time when you first saw that child. That first moment when you saw that child. And what raced through your mind at that time. And to give you just a second, I'll be really brief. At that moment in time, when I found out that I was going to be a father, I thought, God, you are so amazing and so capable of miracles. And then when I saw that little girl for the first time, I thought, I need you, God. <laughs> I am so inadequate. So, I just, I don't know that that was on the script today. But I thought I'd ask that question. So which one of you wants to answer first? I got it. That was sooner for me than for him. 
Yeah, he had to, had to work through those memory banks a little bit. Wasn't yeah, <laughs> yeah. If I start drooling, then you know it. I've missed a turn in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, when I first found out I was going to be a father, so Caitlin was, um, you know, normal things weren't happening. And so we were like, all right, maybe she's pregnant. And I was in St. Louis at a Frisbee tournament. And the whole time I was thinking, I should text her. I should text her and see if, like, she knows yet, see if she's tested yet. And I was like, I can't do that. That's got to be a face-to-face thing. It's got to be a face-to-face thing. And so I get home from the Frisbee tournament, and she's like, so, uh, like, let's go do this thing. I'm like, all right. So um, go to the store, get the tester, and then, yeah, she comes out of the bathroom, and she's like, yep, I'm pregnant. And I was like, oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, I was so surprised uh, for a lot of reasons, but... Yeah, I was surprised, and I was definitely, like, really scared, like, what the heck, like, we're still in college, like, we just got married, what's going on, like, God, kind of, what are you thinking, like, we're both still trying to, like, figure out how to live together, like, how, how can we have this kid here, um, so yeah, definitely a lot of the, well, God, like, I'm gonna need you for this, like, I'm gonna need you a lot, so... So that's when you found out. Yeah. So what about when you found out? <clears throat> Not too unsimilar, still in college. And uh, my wife and I, Dee and I, had a totally different plan. We both thought we would graduate college before we had kids. And uh, a lot of other things were going on in life during that time. Dee's dad was terminally ill and... Um, financial difficulties, job stuff. I was full-time work, full-time school. I was going to school every night of the week after a 40-hour work week. Uh, she was working 30-plus hours and going to school full-time on top of that. Um, extended family situations on top of that going on. and uh, It was a very challenging time, and so um, we had no money. We didn't have prenatal insurance, all those things. So when I found out, I would say I probably cycled through the emotional roller coaster of fear, excitement, um, questioning, what, what are you thinking here? Are you sure, Lord? And, uh, but still super excited about the prospect of being a dad. And then, and then very similar, they're like, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not ready for this. You know, God, I'm going to need you. <laughs> And what about the second part of the question? Yeah, so when I first saw Annalise, it was after the week before finals, I think, and so I was not thinking super clearly. And so when she came out, I was like, she looks kind of weird. She looks gray. (laughs) She looks like an alien. She's pretty loud. (laughs) And so... It's yeah. okay, baby. We love you. Yes, <laughs> She's I, in the cry room. <laughs> yes, we do. I love you a bunch. But I definitely, I, for some reason, I had this thing in my head. Like when I first saw her, there was just going to be love just bursting out of me. And I was going to be like, man, like I would do anything for this kid. Like I'm going to love this kid so well. But that didn't happen immediately. And so there was more fear of just like, man, is there something wrong with me? Like why, don't, why am I not just like almost fainting with love for this kid? Like, 
so many other dads seem to do, which those are older dads who have had more years with their kids, more time to fall in love with them. And so, but also like, and on another note too, like excitement and joy and like how, like how did this happen? Like how did this thing come out of my wife? Like how does that work? Like, <laughs> That's my granddaughter you're talking about. Yeah, no, yeah, but it was, yeah, it was incredible. And then just like, yeah, and some more fear and more humility. Like God's, like this is a brand new life. This thing, this is brand new. I mean, God clearly did this, like, you know, there's nothing, there were no doctors in Caitlin's tummy, like, all right, like, let's put this arm here and the head here. Like, God did all of that, and he's like, hey, I'm trusting you with this. And so, just another reminder that I need more of God, even more of God, to raise her. First saw Spencer. Um, he also was gray and alien. No, I'm just, <laughs> couldn't help it. Um, Overwhelmed by the miracle of life that God does when someone's born in any life, regardless of circumstances of, of how the child came into being. Just the miracle each, each boy, each girl is when they're born. Overcome by that, overcome by my inadequacies of how in the world... You know, I'm, I'm, we can't afford this. How am I going to, I don't have, I'm barely sleeping as it is. I don't have time to go get a second job on top of my other job and finishing school and all of these things. And then also the realization in my life that if somebody ever hurt this child, I really think I could kill somebody at this point now. I really think that I passed that threshold of going, okay, yeah, I could, I could probably kill somebody now if they were to hurt this little boy um, while on my watch. Thank you both. Um, they're honest answers. They may not be godly answers, hey, but they're right. honest yeah, answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's an asterisk up here. They're, they're honest answers. I'm, I'm trying to transition now from our pastor saying he could kill someone <laughs> to, to something else. So I, I'm, I'm working through that. But I think we all understand it. Uh, that's why I don't carry. And that's, and that's why we love you. Because uh, <laughs> you don't carry. Uh, <laughs> now, I, I think that I think that we're probably past the noon hour at this point in time. Uh, I think there are other questions. I think we could stay and talk for a long time, really. And uh, I'm so grateful for your transparency and for your sharing and challenging us today. I've had a few kids myself. Uh, <laughs> and and I, if I might just add one thing, and then if you want to pray to end, or I can't, I just, I just might say this for all of us. Uh, aren't we grateful that we have men here who will share their experiences and are committed to being godly fathers? Isn't that, doesn't that challenge us and help us with an example? As a congregation, aren't we all grateful that we have a heavenly father who doesn't have the failings and the, uh, who probably hasn't called us an alien? Or... <laughs> <laughs> But no, who sees us and loves us. Who sees us as we are and loves us. And I'm so grateful for that. And then just as a father, the one thing I would add 
is I'm also grateful that the grace of God and the love of God is greater and stronger and more capable of redeeming than my ability is to mess up my kids. Amen. And praise him for his grace Amen. and his faithfulness. Because that's what he does in our lives. And that's all. That's all, all the questions I'm going to give you. Remember that email. It's in the communicator. <laughs> Fill it up, okay? <laughs> Thank you. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks. Thanks for this morning, Lord. What an unbelievable privilege it is to share your word. I pray, God, that you have inspired, encouraged, convicted um, us today. I know you have in my heart. Lord, I thank you for the privilege again of being a father. And God, how that has opened up my eyes to how you are our heavenly father and how it has expanded my vision and understanding of you in, in so many ways. And so Lord, as each person in here, as each man in this room has the opportunity to be a role model, role model whether they are a biological father, adoptive father, a foster dad, or even just a mentor to somebody God, that you would expand their knowledge and understanding of you and how you are our Heavenly Father. Lord, that you would give us the compassion that we need, the wisdom we need, the strength we need to be the servant leaders that you've called us to be. So God, at the end of a long week when we are tired and worn out, uh, the first thing we're thinking about when we get in the car on the way home is not grabbing the remote, but how can I gear up and engage with my family? Because they need us. And someday they'll be on their own and we will have lost that time in that window and it will look different. And Lord, I thank you for the reminder from Tony about how you redeem our failings. And there is nothing that we can do that you can't redeem. I praise you and I thank you for that. And we know, Lord, that's not a license to just live our lives haphazardly, but to strive even more because of how much you love us. And that's how we show you our love in return, by serving you. Thank you for this time. What a, what a wonderful privilege it was to teach with Spencer today. Thank you. In your name, amen.